Welcome to History 21, the podcast, a production of the Anoka County Historical Society, sharing the stories and audio journeys from our county's past and present. Answering the question, where are you from, or where do you call home, has always flummoxed me. I spent the first 10 years of my life in St. Louis Park, and have core memories associated with the house at 8613 Virginia Circle South. But we spent every other summer over in England with my mom's family, and every other weekend up at my grandma's farm just outside of Albany. We moved to Buffalo for my junior high and high school years, so all that school spirit seeped into my veins and turned my blood purple. Luckily, I went to Winona State University, whose school color is also purple. It's not as much work that way. Those four years felt like home as well. Working at the History Center, I've assimilated into caring about local politics, having local business people as friends, and feeling pride in town festivals. In any of these locations, I would feel the stories in my heart if we were to take a walk down the street. So where is my town? What is it about a geographic space that makes us claim it? Back in the 1950s, a traveling cinematographer asked that question to business owners in the cities he passed through. In some of these locations, he found enough people willing to tell their story, leaving us with this treasured film called Our Town. Within that film are Easter eggs with literal bunny trails that any researcher could follow and dig up more information to flesh out the story of Anoka County. For fun, Sarah picked one, and in this podcast, you get to follow her along the journey of discovering information to make that snippet in the film come to life. Enjoy! This is Our Town, Anoka, Minnesota, USA. In 1953, Robert M. Carson came to Anoka with a product to sell, a documentary-style film of the city and its businesses, a true showcase of the town. Little is known beyond this. Presumably, people paid for the privilege to be included. But how much? And how did people learn of this opportunity? First, they set the scene welcoming the viewer to Anoka with a traveling shot crossing the Mississippi River Bridge into the city. Yes, this is our town, located here on the Mississippi, north of Minneapolis. The name Anoka is an Indian word we took from a name in 1853. The famous Father Louis Hennepin was probably the first to explore this area where the Rum River joins the Mississippi. Robert Carson wasn't a one-man operation. He had a team to work with, including director Chuck Moses, scripts written by Wanda Doerr, and photography by Gene Benton. He could presumably be trusted to know what he was doing. Perhaps he showed work he had done in other places. There are Our Town videos from Illinois, Iowa, Kansas, Missouri, Nebraska, Wisconsin, Texas, and other places in Minnesota, including Red Wing, Fairmont, Winona, and Lake City. This is where we put our research hats on at the museum and get to work. We need to figure out more about this human and his business, only to fall pretty flat on our faces. It's a tough nut to crack. 
We know their names from the film's opening credits, but know absolutely nothing more about them. We even wonder if those are even their legal names. They are truly wandering filmmakers. We can try searching census records, but without a location or an approximate age, we aren't sure if we're looking at the right person. Also, being traveling filmmakers, it's not guaranteed that they would have been in one place long enough to be counted in the federal census. They're amazing. It's a, sh it's a snapshot of America and very useful for research, but the window only lets us look in every 10 years. So unfortunately, we didn't find any more concrete information about Robert Carson and his employees beyond the names that appear in the opening credits. The video does, however, let us almost time travel back to the city of Anoka in 1953. The Rum River flows through Anoka, and years ago, it furnished the power for the area's four sawmills. This dam was built by the lumber interests, but now is maintained by the city. The structure dates back to 1854. One of the projects the city has underway is adding water mains. The road and bridge department is doing the work and also carrying on the many other jobs, such as maintaining and repairing roads. Some of the other work which keeps the department busy is the clearing of trees and brush from areas where road construction is planned. Road sanding is another major project. The documentary is broken into two half-hour episodes. In episode one, the viewer visits the Anoka County Union, Duffy Lumber Company, First National Bank, Greenhaven, Nielsen Supermarket, but also teaches about the newest technology being developed by Anoka police, fingerprinting, the joys of the municipal beach and the hard work that the city public works and recreation does. One segment stands out though, about the Market Garden Youth Program. The other businesses are recognizable, but we hadn't heard about this program before. How was that possible? Here's what the program told viewers about it. To supply labor for the truck farmers in the vicinity, the State Employment Service and the school officials have joined with the vegetable growers in a program for the youth. The program has benefited the youngsters and the farmers. Boys and girls between the ages of 12 and 16 register in the program known as the Market Garden Youth Program. The setup is carefully supervised. The summer supervisor for the program is Mrs. Nancy Hartfield, a mother of seven children. The kids gather on the lawn of Mrs. Hartfield's home and wait for the trucks, which will take them to the jobs. The farmers register with the supervisor and notify her of the number of workers needed, and Mrs. Hartfield contacts the youngsters. The employers must furnish transportation to and from the job and carry adequate insurance. The hours and wages are regulated. The work starts as early as April and ends in November. At the peak of the season, the work intensifies since the crops must be handled quickly for efficient operation. A crop requiring much care in handling is spring onions. They must be handled gently so that the delicate stems are not bruised. 
Some of the other crops which the Anoka young people bring in are winter onions and radishes. Work rules provide that no child work more than eight hours a day or more than six days a week. After a day in the field, these kids aren't likely to get into mischief. Children under 12 years of age are not allowed to work on the farms. No one under 16 may start before 7 in the morning or work later than 7 at night. Sometimes there is work on Sundays, but those who report are given time to attend church services. It's all part of a well-planned program. Another crop the group is working is radishes. The vegetables are bunched in the field and packed in baskets before they're brought to the washhouse. The bunches are put in the baskets and packed down so that when the basket is turned upside down and lifted off, the load will stay in the shape of the basket. The roots of the radishes are pointed to the outside, making it easier to clean them. After the radishes have been washed, they're put in large tanks of cold running water. This completes the cleaning and takes the field heat out of them. Radishes can stand frost, but heat is an enemy of this vegetable, which is found in many parts of the world and which grows in various sizes, shapes, and colors. From the tanks, the radishes go to the packers, and from there they go to be iced and sent to cold storage. The crop is then ready for market. Crushed ice will keep the radishes from spoiling while in storage and will ensure that the crop is crisp and fresh when it reaches the stores. Breaking the ice distributes the cooling more evenly. The accompanying video shows kids gathering on Mrs. Nancy Hartfield's lawn, sitting on the curb, some with hats or holding brown paper bags, a quick shot of them climbing into the back of an oversized work vehicle, and then on to views of them working at the farm. You see them spread out into fields, baskets peppered along with them. And then in the wash house with hoses and basins, wearing long rubber aprons and long scarves tied around the girls' heads to keep their hair back. Now, what else do we know about this program? It sounds robust, like a lot of people participated. Plus, the video shows kids actively from this area participating. It was big enough to merit and pay for a space in this video. So it stands to reason that there would be other sources talking about it. But again, we're hitting roadblocks, finding out more information. Robert Carson gives us one hint in his script, Mrs. Nancy Hartfield. We can find her in the census. In 1940, she's living in Anoka with her husband, who is a machinist at an ammunition factory. That can pretty safely be translated to federal cartridge in Anoka during this time. The snapshot is taken again 10 years later in 1950. This time, there's no job listed for either Nancy or her husband. Now, the 1960 census won't be available until April of 2032, and we don't want to wait that long. So instead, we turn to the city directories. There are a set of directories at the History Center from 1957 to 1986, and they are an amazing resource, a cross-referencing dream. You can use the yellow pages section to look up businesses, the white pages section to look up by last name, and when male and married, their wife's name is in parentheses, their occupation, 
and home address is also listed. Then there is the section where you can look up by address and it will tell you the owner and phone number. And the final section allows you to search by phone number to find the name. With all of these sections, who needs Google? Certainly not us. So 1957, the city directory, we can find Mrs. Nancy Hartfield living at 1814 2nd Avenue and working as the manager of the State Employment Service. Their phone number also served as business number for that service, HA, or Harrison Exchange, 15634. Her address meshes with the video. In order to have kids gather on her lawn in the mornings, it had to be directly in town. Unfortunately, her house no longer stands. It would have been located in the block across from Walker Methodist Garden Senior Living between Madison and Monroe Street. We've exhausted the names of humans that we know, and our database didn't flag any records either. We searched names, but also Market Garden Youth Program, Market Garden Club Youth Program, and other variations. This doesn't mean there isn't anything in the collection. It just means that the description of the item doesn't contain the magic words. Instead, we have to think sideways. Where could something about this program be hiding? Newspapers. Amazing resources. We have issues of the local newspapers from 1865 to about 2002, all preserved on rolls and rolls of microfilm. So we break into the microphone reader, specifically 1952 and 1953, since we know the program ran during those years. Now, our microfilm reader is a little special because it is digital. You still have to scroll manually, but if you find anything, you can take digital clips of the pages or of the article that you find. You can choose to have PDFs or JPEGs, any version of a file that you want for your research purposes. So we head to the newspaper. And victory-ish. <laughs> the Anoka Herald on July 17th, 1952, has a small column that reads, 50 to 100 workers are urgently needed by market garden vegetable farmers near Anoka right now. Housewives may bring their children and work as a family group. Boys and girls, 12 years of age or older, are urged to help out. Quickness and dexterity of fingers and hands is needed, but great strength is not required. Earnings for the worker with aptitude for this work will be excellent. There could be more hiding in the newspaper, but with microfilm you have to read each page of each issue. No shortcuts here. So if you can't target what year or month you're looking for, it takes a little time to find. Now we can cheat a little. The museum also has a subscription for newspapers.com. Now this database does not have access to local Anoka County newspapers. Those haven't been digitized yet but you can keyword search back issues of the Star Tribune. And finally, in an article in that newspaper on June 29th, 1953, we learn 
a bit more about this market garden youth program. In an article titled, Young City Slickers Get a Taste of Farm Life, we learn that the program began in 1943. And 10 years later, the year that the Our Town video showcased, approximately 1,600 youngsters are working, helping from 75 to 100 truck farmers of the Minneapolis area to weed and harvest their vegetables, fruits, and flowers. It was started as a war emergency program during World War II, with many farm workers away fighting overseas or working elsewhere for the war effort, local farmers needed help bringing in and managing their crops. The Employment Service established recruiting centers around city areas, close enough to where kids lived in town, but not too far from where farms needed help. And Anoka was one of those places. Farmers were slated with providing transportation, they also needed insurance coverage, and to comply with minimum wage and hour standards of the time. The article notes that the kids were guaranteed 30 cents an hour, but that a lot of the work is based on quantity or piecework, so kids could end up earning closer to 50 or 70 cents an hour, depending on how fast they worked. Child labor laws at the time dictated that they can start work in the summer at 7 a.m., and any child under 16 can't work past 7 p.m. They also can't work more than eight hours a day or 48 hours a week. Shocking no one, the article notes, the employment service finds that the best workers are youngsters who need the extra money. Social workers representing the service at the contact centers helped recruit boys and girls from homes where a little extra money could be most useful. After the war, unemployment in the country dropped significantly. People remembered the staggering 25% unemployment rate during the Great Depression. And by 1944, it had dropped to just 1.2%. It definitely fluctuated over the next 10 years, but in 1952, the rate was officially 2.7%. Farms needed labor, and the Market Garden Youth Program helped provide that labor with kids who needed money for their families. We have more of a picture than we did at the beginning of our research journey, but there is more hiding out there. We can search even more years of the local newspaper on microfilm. Since this was a state program, Perhaps the Minnesota Historical Society has something in their archive that would illuminate more. Unfortunately, the collections database on their website is currently unavailable for remote and in-person researchers as it undergoes necessary updates. So that will have to wait just a little bit to find. And perhaps, just perhaps, someone will come forward and say, I was a part of this program, and here's what it was actually like. The video, articles, and paper records that we can find up to the recording right now tell this story, but they don't give us the reality of what it was like for kids to gather at 7 a.m., lunch pail swinging, no sunscreen handy, ready to work a day in the fields. What was it actually like? The tips and tricks they learned when dropped into farm life that they weren't accustomed to as city kids. What did that extra money mean for their families? 
thanks to Robert Carson and his wanderings, we have a glimpse of this piece of Anoka history. And sometimes that's all you need, just a glimpse to open the door to understanding and finding out more about our past together. Yes, Anoka is building for a better tomorrow. In the center of town and in the more quiet spots, there's progress in the air. And for more of the story of this community, join us next week at this same time for another look at Anoka, Minnesota, USA. This is our town. Read all about it in the Anoka County Library Minute. Hello, my name is Diana Nurberg, and I'm a librarian for Anoka County Library, and this is your Library Minute, featuring books about agriculture. Let's get started. First, we have The Dish, The Lives and Labor Behind One Plate of Food by Andrew Friedman. As a chef himself, the author of this book gives readers an inside perspective on all the steps involved in getting one plate of food on the restaurant tables. From the human components of chefs, cooks, waiters, farmers, truck drivers, etc., to the grapes of a Michigan winery, the bigger agricultural picture is deconstructed from the vantage point of a single restaurant dish. Next, we have The Haymakers, a Chronicle of Five Farm Families by Stephen R. Hofbeck. Printed by the Minnesota Historical Society Press, this book looks at the evolution of farming over the decades from the perspective of five Minnesota farm families working primarily with hay. Many agricultural issues are discussed in the book, from the sheer amount of labor needed to do the job to weather inconsistencies, as well as the need to rely on family members and the farm community at large. Finally, we have Compact Farms, 15 Proven Plans for Market Farms on 5 Acres or Less by Josh Volk. With backyard homesteading and urban farming gaining popularity in recent years, this book fits right in, offering practical plans for anyone wanting to make farming on a small scale profitable and efficient. This illustrated guide features profiles of well-known small-scale farmers. You can find these and many more resources at your local Anoka County Library location. Until next time, happy learning. Get those library cards and reserve your copy today. Direct links to these books and more can be found in the episode show notes at anokacountyhistory.org. I hope you enjoy the services of Anoka County Historical Society. The podcast is only one. You may use our research services, our library, our public access computers, newspapers, attend our programming, use our website, or share our Facebook posts. We try to keep all of these services free or affordable so they remain accessible to everyone, whether they live in the county or not. If you have roots in Anoka County, we are here for you. That's all brilliant, wonderful, and magic, but there's a cost associated with maintaining a building, professional staff, and updated technology. As you consider your year-end giving, please remember Anoka County Historical Society. We're sort of like planting a tree. Your investment doesn't necessarily show fruit in your lifetime, 
but guarantees the preservation of memories for future generations to enjoy and learn from. Thank you for your support. If you have a question, want to visit our show notes page for each episode, or would like to share your own story, go to anokacountyhistory.org. Help History 21, the podcast, reach more ears by subscribing and reviewing on your podcast provider. We're all over social media, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram for all those who scroll by. And for our Vault members, you can find special access to podcast extras as well as the latest digital resources at History 21, the Vault, located on our website. Remember, the present is the past of the future.